This is Russell Bragg, host of the DC Comics Presents show, and you're listening to Back to the Bins, a podcast you can find only on the Two True Freaks Network. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Ugh, I can't open this Gatorade. That's not you, the uh, are you a little upset, a little freaked out, a little bothered by the fact that I don't have big face on there? Oh, you know, I hadn't even noticed I was looking at Paul Lecter. I don't know. I don't know if I can handle that. HR, <laughs> how could you not find that funny? I did. Oh God, I just looked up. Get that off of there. God, that thing it freaks me out. It freaks me out, man. Yeah. it's not even. It's like it's scary cute. It's cute, but it's. I. I don't want to look at it. I'm gonna shrink the window. I don't want to see it. You make pig face cry. <laughs> Pig face. Get out of my face. <laughs> oh, don't make me go find naked Captain America schlong. Yeah, better? I don't know. It hasn't changed. Should have. No. Remember this happened before when Scott changed it and you guys are like, oh, yeah. Oh, there it goes. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Thanks. Is that better? Is it a little less creepy? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah, actually, it is a little. Believe it or not, it is a little less creepy. <laughs> Instead, it's like it's like a yellow submarine puffer fish is what it looks like. Uh, see, I, I do like the pig face one. Though. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> pig face. <laughs> Paul Spataro, pig face. <laughs> so did you see that this the guy from The Sopranos said that Tony Soprano did not die in, in the finale? Which guy from The Sopranos? The the producer? Yeah. The creator, David Chase. No, I hadn't seen that. What What did he say? Basically, I guess he's been tired of being badgered about it for seven years, and he was doing some interview, and he and he said, uh, "Hold on, where is it?" Uh, he's uh, he said, "No, no, he isn't," and that was all. That's bullshit. <laughs> well, no, he said he. But he said the cut to the back black was based on a, on the poem Dream Within a Dream by Edgar Allan Poe, which is about struggling to determine what is reality and what is fantasy. Is all that we seem, all that we see or seem, but a dream within a dream. So, whatever. Yeah, it's a stupid artsy ending. <sighs> Sorry, I'm, uh, you ever, never mind, I'm just not going to finish that. You don't want to know. Okay, you know what? I'm going to trust you on this one. Well, okay, so now i got to tell you. <laughs> I was letting you go. I, I, was, I had no problem with it. You ever get, like, the tickling in the back of your throat? And then you got to kind of, like, <laughs> you know, like, get it out. And then uh, then you end up, like, pulling, you know, you're like, what the hell is in there? And then it's, I don't know if you... If you like suck a uh, like a nose hair back down and it you'll like pull out a little tiny hair. I think that's what I just had, but I think I swallowed it. Back to the bin. If there's a finer songbird than Kelly Clarkson, I have not found it.
Neil Young. <laughs> I defy you to find me a better songbird. Bob Bob Dylan. He's no Kelly Clarkson. The Definitely fact that I said that is is incredibly sad. <laughs> he's, Even he's as a pick joke. Up a set of gams. <laughs> I can't believe I I refuse to even listen to your post that Justin Bieber was singing Johnny Cash songs because I don't want to hear that. No, I never listened to the post, but I was oh, having okay. a really really shitty day, and that was the moment where I'm like, you know, this might be the this might be the moment that they tell stories about. I think that is one of the signs of the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, my friend Kelly, I, I happened to Kelly Clarkson the, is that? No, no, <laughs> he's a coworker. Ah, as well. Kelly Clarkson. Clarkson. <laughs> when in the bathroom is like, does the water feel warmer all of a sudden? Because this is this is how you get the apocalypse. Yeah. Wrath of God. <laughs> Wrath of God. But it won't hit Bieber because Bieber's untouchable somehow. Well, Bieber, <laughs> Bieber is a uh, is, is a <clears throat> force for evil. So yeah. <laughs> Bill, are you, you going to be okay? The place. Is that a wheel of fortune wheel behind Batman? Yes, it's Bat Sajak. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's why I just spit my, my Gatorade in him. I'm like, that's the wheel. Of... I, I just realized, okay, all right, that's all right. I, never mind. Yeah. I'm fine now. Well, when, when I say tired. things wrong, uh, that tends to come out magically. So that was one, and then Bat Benatar. Bat, now, is Bat that Tar. actually Pat Sajak's face photoshopped yeah. underneath the Batman? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I had I had a little extra time that day. <laughs> so this is your own original creation here that we're looking. Yes, at. it is. Yes, it is. I don't know if I should be proud of it or ashamed of it. Perhaps a little of each. <laughs> column A and column B. Yep. <laughs> so how was work today? Uh, not as bad as it could have been. And that's a raving endorsement. <laughs> ever I've heard one. Well, we we are installing new phone systems, which I don't know. If you're not in the technical industry, the technical term for it could have been cluster. But the question was, is it going to be like a just the tip cluster or, you know, balls deep? And it was it was just just the tip. All right. So that's a win. Yeah. I like my all job. All right. Now, all, is this all in, baby? All in. <laughs> is this your first uh, podcast appearance since retiring from podcasting? Uh, this would be chronologically, as far as release, this would be this would be my second. All right, because that's, that's I, a little, recorded, little I, mystery I've, there. I've I've recorded a, a Turntus Magnus episode, but the only one that's been released, well, I guess the the uh, Bronze Age stuff, but that was recorded before. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, yeah, this this will be my second one chronologically. Okay. As far as what the people hear. When you were on with Trentus, did you explain your whole uh, retirement situation? No, it never really came up. Just that I was on a a vacation. Do you care to or no? Yeah, I mean, there's no. It's not dramatic. Probably, you know, I'm sure people are picturing some Dave Chappelle moment where I went to Africa, but it was like, look, uh, time's getting scarce, and I should probably put some time in with the wife and. You know, housework and family time. Ugh. That didn't sound good. Did we lose somebody? No, that's no, just no. bad. Avatar oh. has finished downloading. Okay. <laughs> what? Uh, I finished bad downloading Benatar. Bat Benatar. I didn't see Bat Benatar. 
Oh no! I, you know what? I gotta say, Beth Sajak is funnier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she she looks a little unnatural. Where's Bat Benatar? If, it's, in the, it's in the chat. If my life were at at risk, I would I would prefer to be saved by Bat Sajak. I don't see the chat. <laughs> I got nothing in the chat. <laughs> Are we gonna do more officer and gentleman jokes? Oh. <laughs> I got nowhere to go. <laughs> I got nowhere to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. Bill, I literally yeah. have no idea what I read with your pick. Well, I synopsized it pretty good, so... Uh, define was, define pretty good. Is this going to be a con- of a comic nature? No, I wrote it. I actually have a written one. <laughs> typed out that I can read. It's not train of thought. Well, that remains to be seen. I have two references to the word choppa, which I expect people to respond accordingly. Deepak. Get to the choppa. Exact, thank you. <laughs> Deepak. No, not, not chakra. Choppa. We're not watching Avatar. Hopper? I can't believe they didn't show the rest of the the, the next season of Avatar. That's Doctor Doom. What? On the Two True Freaks podcast uh, Facebook page, there's a picture of what's going to be Doctor Doom oh, in God. the new movie. You oh, you yes. don't even know. I, I'm be looks... looking at it before we're done, but they just keep failing on new levels with this movie, as far as I can tell. Yeah. This is a, this is probably going to push us back to the Tim Story movie. The Tim Story movie I view as harmless. It is not. It is neither a good movie nor a bothersome movie. It's just there. Yeah. Actually, I feel that way about both of them. Yeah, I actually like the second one. I enjoyed the second one to some extent. I can't stand the portrayal of Doctor Doom in either one. Wait, Doctor Doom was in that. In the, the Tim Story, Fantastic Four. It's, it's sarcasm. It's it is a because... it, it is, and, and <laughs> I do speak fluent sarcasm, so I'm a little surprised that I missed that. But do you, <laughs> do you speak fluent Julian McMahon? Uh, he was terrible in that. I mean, I just uh, don't get me started. Marco. Okay, let's see. <laughs> Over to the Two True Freaks page. I'd listen to uh, Stephen and Andy's uh, commentary on that today at work, so I was entertained for an hour and thirty-seven minutes. Okay, now I have I'm not to, entertained. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I have to believe that there's going to be a lot of CGI going on this, or it is the worst possible Doctor Doom ever. Either that, or they're in an aquarium. He he looks like like a walking piece of human excrement. Ah, we're back. Swarm. Yeah, I didn't even know I was gone. Swarm, you're, 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 you're right on the money there. It looks like Swarm. Yeah. Swarm. Oh. I, was, oh, yeah. I looked at that. I was yeah, saying, who's, who said that? That's so clever. Oh, wait. It's the guy I'm talking to. <laughs> yeah, that one's... That one made the baby Jesus weep. Second sign of the apocalypse this week. I'm surprised they haven't cast Justin Bieber in the role of Doom. Just to combine all of the horrible things. 
So you guys didn't like you guys didn't like Brit. I, I was I was branching out to something well, new. Perhaps I, perhaps we'll wait until we get to that before we start. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you assume that we didn't like it just because <laughs> just because we just because we probably didn't. <laughs> hey, it's no Apollo smile <laughs> compared to Apollo smile. This is a great book. I will yeah, say no more. Because yeah. you could actually read it because we had a copy of it. Now they. they uh, <laughs> On the on the episode with the dinner for geeks guys, they, they tried to pick the three worst books they could find, and I do not think any of them beat out Apollo Smile. I don't know that March Hare book sounded awful. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yes, it did. Maybe it was just the synopsis. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's bad it's... when I'm going. Man, am I like that? Jeez. <laughs> You're like that when you choose to be. Like, sometimes you show up and it's a normal synopsis, and I find myself a little disappointed when that happens. No, you don't understand. You don't understand! No, those off-the-cuff crazy synopsis are the normal synopsis. <laughs> when I don't make myself type one, you know, you know, stay on target. I can't do that, so that's why I have to, I, I, I have to type them. That is the real Dr. Bill. <laughs> Uh, there's, there's somewhere there's there's an old style typewriter and it says all work and no play makes Dr. Bill a dull boy over and over and over again. Except it's on my screen and it's in notepad. <laughs> my wife so, says, what so, are you doing? Uh, I'm doing my research paper. So, so, you, all, all of you, so all of your shows now are, are to rest. Should I, I should eliminate them from my feed? You know, you're definitely not going back to them? Um, No. I'm not going back to them. There was a moment where oh. Dirt, the DDP was about to come back. And I'm like, no, I don't feel it. And the magic's gone. Oh. So we're never going to hear my my uh, theatrical debut as Battle and Jack Murdoch on, on the air, huh? Probably not. How sad. <laughs> there is one project that I, that's been in the back of my head where I'm like, you know, I could pull that off. But it would be something unrelated to the other shows I've done. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, we're glad and to oddly, have you with us. What's that? You make it sound like I died. We're glad that you're. <laughs> we're glad you could go through the Genesis Chamber and come back to okay. us. Genesis, forbidden, Mutara Santa. Sorry. <laughs> okay. On that note, you know how long I've been <laughs> waiting to do that. I've been practicing that in the van because for some reason somebody said Genesis a few weeks ago, and I went. Genesis on a show. Genesis, you know yeah. It's planet forbidden. Oh no, I think mine was better. You, you gotta, you gotta make it. You gotta jowl it up. That guy reminded me so much of Vincent Price. <laughs> In what way? <laughs> Just he looked look, like a fish. He looked like Vincent Price with heavy makeup on. Oh, baloney! I, I, no way. Nine. Nine, nine, nine. No, no, no. Still. No, no, no. I introduced Paul to the no-no cat tonight. Why? <laughs> I, that's what that? I kept asking. All right, so we might as well jump into this now. <laughs> sure. What do you say? <clears throat> hey, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. Nine, nine. I am your host. P. Thomas Spataro, 
and I am joined today by my good buddy and ever faithful sidekick, Dr. W. Frank Robinson. And we are joined today by our retired friend, retired but not forgotten, J. David Weider. Guten Tag. Yeah. Ja. Jiminy. <laughs> Nine. At 11, Ula, have sex. What time would you like Ula to come in? <laughs> really, nobody's taking a producer's reference? Oh, I'm sorry. It's been, been so long. Have you seen something about Since you've seen the movie or since you've had sex? <laughs> yes. <laughs> My silence will answer nothing. But the answer would be both. <laughs> the problem been. is I don't know which has been longer. It has been a long time. That's all I, I saw say. that when I was a kid. Yeah. I didn't have sex when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You probably had sex when I was a kid. You're so old. Oh, oh that's a look at that. Feel that burn. <laughs> Little icy hot on the wound. I gotta you get know. back at you. Yeah, but you know what's gonna happen? I have the editing reins. <laughs> so what I'm gonna do is I, it, it comes off as me being the nice guy and you being the nasty attacking sidekick. That's okay. Dave knows the truth. But I'm, I'm intimidated, so... The truth is out there. See, all he has to do is edit my German, and suddenly things get real. <laughs> like, I'm... A, <laughs> he could turn me into the, you know, the avenging angel of the master race if he wants to. He'll just be piping in, you know, uh, you know, German songs behind you. <laughs> so how are we all doing tonight? Oh, it's not tonight anymore, my friend. It's the morning. <laughs> not for me, future people. Oh, it's no. true. The time tra time travel is coming into play. Yes, indeed. Oh, we're straddling a day right now. That's and that's how much we enjoy your company. That normally I would be gone out out like a light by now, but I stayed. Three sheets up to the wind, you, my friend. Well, three sheets to the wind implies that I would be <laughs> drinking alcohol, which I I'm not doing at the moment. Now, three sheets is that, is that a is that a nautical thing? Is that like a pirate thing? Is that like sails? You I know, never really I never really thought about that till just now. Bill, weren't you in the navy? Yeah, but I did, we didn't have sails. He was he was busy singing village people songs <laughs> back then. Da, 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 young man, uh, that's that's YMCA. Never mind. Yeah, I was thinking in the navy. You can get yourself <laughs> yeah, whatever. Young, I'm stuck on YMCA. What the hell's wrong with me? Are you are you okay, Bill? You didn't break into song. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> There's always room for a song. I was I was yelled at on a podcast recently. Oh, Scott yelled, yelled at you. Scott yelled at me. Stop singing. <laughs> Can you show me on the doll where Scott Gardner touched you? <laughs> he yelled at my ears. Was that at the last show we did? Yeah. He, well, yeah, that was when you guys were doing the argument, and <laughs> and I was... Well, you know, doing the argument almost implies that it was an equal <laughs> give and take. It was when I was showing Scott how wrong he was. It's probably a better description of it. Oh, no. I'm just a little punchy. A little punchy, punchy, run, run. <laughs> All right. 
Anybody got any comic news to delve into before we jump into our books? Mm, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff out there. It seems like we're getting rapid fire things from upcoming shows and movies. And and just now we saw the hideous Doctor Doom picture. Uh, it's it's <laughs> it's it's like they're trying to sabotage the uh, production because they don't want it to be a hit. But I kind of see why Marvel may actually cancel the Fantastic Four books. Don't confuse this with that. I don't know. Is that really true? Or is that just... It's a rumor still. It's a rumor still, yeah. And they've never confirmed anything. I Mm. really don't see the point in that. I don't see where... You know, the the comic industry is, is fading at such a rapid pace that I don't think canceling a book is going to affect the movie industry. The other way around... Do you think it's fading or just the... The print media is fading. I think it's all around fading. Mm. I, I think digital and print combined don't add up to what print alone used to be. No. No. So, you know, it, it's. I think it's a dying medium, unfortunately. Thankfully, though, we have a show where we do old books, and there will always be old books. And we're always getting new books as we get older. As we <laughs> as we expand our ten year limit back, yeah, back. exactly. And, so and is so, it is it a sliding ten year rule? Is that the official? Well, that's the way I look at it. Ten years back, was it ten years back from the start of the show? Yeah, it's ten years from the show that we're recording. Exactly. That's why my book's two thousand three. I'm pushing that envelope, baby. And and uh, yours is two thousand two, Paul. It is. It is, which for me is exceedingly new. I know. I was shocked. I was actually thinking about trying to go for like a book from the fifties. You you were in the century. It was amazing. Yeah, I almost, I almost went from the a golden age book, then realized that it wouldn't fit quite into what we're looking at. So this is weird. We don't have a theme. This is the first episode I've been on in a while that's not themed. Hmm. We had the assistant actually, editors, the X Men. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I mean, we all have old men in our thing. <laughs> God, that it just didn't sound good. Well, my old man wasn't an old man in the book that I'm doing, though. Yeah, but he so is an old man later. Yeah, and well, my male, my guy's an old man, and we, we got the, the wizard on the rock. He's <laughs> easy. Not, it sounds like you, he's smoking crack when you say it like that. Actually, the first page of your book looks like he's taking, well, looks like he's having a bowel movement. <laughs> <laughs> Plopped. Rock Come on, monster. strength of humor, Hercules. <laughs> Wisdom of Solomon. I gotta get some Xbox. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> for my book. <laughs> oh, we're doing Marvel DC Indie? Are we doing by date? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, because we're not doing, it's not a theme. You're right. This is is so odd. You know, it really has. Because it's a non-format J. David Weider show. Yeah. Even last week, when we had a non-themed show, we ended up going to team-up books, so it still kind of became a theme on its own. So we've had so many. What's that? What book did I do last week? You you got lazy again, and you didn't do a book. Ah, that's right. Sorry. (laughs) I was like, I don't remember. A sloth like friend. I tried because I was on call. Never mind. Sorry. I remember now. We're on call. Whatever. Hey. What? What? It's what I do. 
It's all he does. I was on call just in case the brain surgery came through. The brain donor. Hey, look. (laughs) (laughs) My job requires me to be on call once every eight weeks. For erectile dysfunctions? (laughs) No. For broken (laughs) fire alarm systems. Oh. That's not nearly as exciting. I would have stuck with the original. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's a hard life, man. It's a hard life. It's a hard not <laughs> life. The other night, things got real. <laughs> yeah, you're telling me when I was pot when I was on a show with um, Andy and um, and Michael Bailey, I I got two phone calls during our podcast. I kept having to dive out of the podcast and come back in. That'll come out eventually. Uh, that'll be a palace of glittering delights on Quantum Leap. Oh, oh, not a Quantum Leap fan, I take it. Yeah, no, I am. I like Quantum Leap. I'm actually excited about that. Oh, you just upset that I'm on it? (laughs) (laughs) I I, I think that was supposed to be a positive O. Yeah, you're you're misreading the intent. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, Doctor Bill's on there. Oh, Oh, damn. (laughs) His sultry sounds will lull me to sleep. (laughs) And so, anyway, so I guess we don't have any. uh, No, 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 no. Sorry, I'm not doing the no no cat. No no comic news, I guess. Nothing new. Oh, we said that the Doctor Doom costume is horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, no other characters have become women. Or no women have become men. Not that I'm that aware we, of. That we know of. And uh, that's about it. Nothing happening. Uh, Spider Woman's ass is still a thing. Oh. Well, who? Somebody posted the other picture of actual Spider-Man in the exact that, same. That purpose. was me. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's I'm not like, saying that it's it's really completely a non-issue, but had we not known that the person who did that cover did erotica, it probably wouldn't have been a a big uh, to do. Okay. Not a fan of the to dos. I'll be honest with you. I don't really think that's a very flattering pose for her. No, I mean, it's not a pretty cover. I don't like the cover. But at the same time, people are saying it's objectifying her, objectifying women. Like, Spider-Man was in the same pose. It's a spider thing. And and I think perhaps he had a a, a more tight physique. Mm-hmm. She's getting a little saggy as she's getting older, you saying? A little bit, a little bit. Jessica Drew could use a few. No, I'm not even going to do that. That's not even funny. It's a joke. A little nip and a tuck. Of course, I'm... I'm retired, so feel free to send your emails too. <laughs> send, send as many as you want to Dave's Daredevil Podcasts. I won't be answering them. <laughs> wow, retired. Can you really call it retired if you never got paid for it? Yeah, I don't I don't know exactly what the term for it is. Grew up, maybe, I don't know. Dormant? <laughs> Dormant. Then you sound like a disease. Well, my weeder is uh, is in remission. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be careful about your weeder. <laughs> I have a flaccid weeder. Of course, you 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 know my my last name is German, and in the pr- proper German pronunciation, my last name is Vader. No joke. Yeah, no, no, I. I'm just not sure what to do with that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm 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 stretching for a joke too. I mean, obviously, there's the whole Darth thing, but that seems a little too obvious. David Vader, <laughs> David Vader, 
It's fun, isn't it? Mm. I did Masturbator. force choke somebody today. <laughs> I felt bad. And somebody's messing with my dog, so I threw my boss down an elevator shaft. Turns out that he wasn't shooting my dog with lightning at all. I was on acid. <laughs> and it turns out he didn't die. Uh, let's hope that's not true. Uh, that's not possible! <laughs> you know what? If, if you read comics, how could, you que- how could you question them bringing anybody back? Well, they brought him back in the comics anyway. But I'm they saying... Spatari, whatever, Sparty, whatever, cloning chamber, and the the uh, that was in one of the Dark Empire books, if I remember correctly. But when Luke goes to the dark side, he's trained by the Emperor. At the at the risk of of bringing down Scott Rifen's ire, um, those aren't continuity anymore. <laughs> but my my point being, just you know, if you read comics, you're you're reading a form of literature where they're bringing people back from the dead all the time. So now all of a sudden you're gonna be outraged because they come up with a story to bring him back. Well, I'm not what, outraged. Why don't, what, but but people are. Did you you know the face the uh, Facebook page was yeah. exploding again? Let's wait. Let's see. You know the movie will come out and we'll decide if it's good or not. Well, see, I guess that big explosion was not an explosion. It was like an air cushion <laughs> that slowed his he's fall. Got an inflatable suit under his robes. <laughs> no, he. He fell down the shaft, and there was like he passed like a infrared beam, and they shot this column of air up, and it caught his robes, poof, and he just parachuted down like a little flower. And there you go. Well, you know, yeah, I guess if Luke can swing towards a wall and grab a radio antenna, that's one handed. One handed, <laughs> yes. High five. Oh, sorry, too soon. Oh. <laughs> it's only been nineteen eighty. <laughs> I wonder if they'll uh, do a show his hand in the movie. You know what I mean. Yeah. His, his <laughs> it took me a minute. Yeah. <laughs> He's got two. Why wouldn't they? Uh... I'm sure they'll hmm. reference it. Hmm. They won't throw a glove on it again. Oh, yeah. Maybe he'll have a glove on. It'll be like the Michael Jackson of the Star Wars universe. No, he was Michael Jackson before Michael Jackson. It was around the same time, wasn't it? I'm going to kill my dad. Yeah, I'm going to kill my dad. Because he's a villain. Villain, yeah. He works for the Emperor and I'm going to go fight them on the Death Star because he's the villain. Villain, yeah. See, I'm doing the hand things, but you guys can't see I have to start introducing you as the Weird Al Yankovic of Two True Freaks. I was uh, singing, uh, there's a song by Saya called Chandelier, which I turned into The Rocketeer. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Scott would have been proud. I got all kinds of songs out there, just no time to sing them. That's what it's like to live in no the jet set. <laughs> so. You're up. <laughs> We just keep going around in circles here, so literally. For my book, I have to go around in circle. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I said I got a song ain't got no melody. So, I picked uh, Ultimates number one, 
from March of 2002, which had a cover price of $2.25. I think it is the most expensive book I've ever done on the show. Outrageous. Yes. The cover of the book shows Ultimate Cap with silhouettes behind him of Ultimate Thor, Ultimate Iron Man, and Ultimate the Wasp. And then there's somebody else back in the corner. I can't even tell who that is. Giant Man. But he's, is that he's, he's the smallest but he's one. the littlest one. <laughs> yeah, but I think you're right, though. Yeah, well, he would be the only there. character other than the Hulk, and it's not him. So I guess, yeah, probably. Mm. Our story is written by Mark Miller, pencils by Brian Hitch, inks by Andrew Curry, letters by Chris Eliopoulos, colors by Paul Mounts with Bongo Tone, and edited by the Karate Kid. <laughs> we open with a World War II scene of military planes over the North Atlantic in 1945. All right. All right. You done? Yeah. Okay, thank you. We see the troops on board making small talk about Hitler and the Germans and that they're building a super weapon. And one of them, one of the more annoying GIs, doubts that Captain America is anything more than a PR stunt. Cap is actually on board and confident in the success in their mission, and possibly even a little cocky about it. We're given some wordless pages showing the battle that I think is supposed to show the brutality and the danger of war in a similar fashion to the beginning of the movie Saving Private Ryan. While this is going on, Cap circles the plane, plane and he disobeys some orders by aiming the plane at the German base and then jumping out. Cap then leads the assault on the base. They make their way to the weapon developed by the Nazis, a huge bomb. When someone asks how they got the technology, it's obvious that Cap has knowledge that he's not sharing with us just yet. The missile is launched as the attack is underway, and Cap jumps and grabs a hold of it just as it takes off. The German soldiers, with their mission accomplished at that point, surrender. Cap targets the propulsion jets on the miss missile to knock it off course, and ultimately it explodes in the air while Cap falls into the sea. We see him under the water as we are given <clears throat> the contents of a letter that he wrote to his fiancée, Gail. At that point, we cut to 2002 on Mount Everest, where Tony Stark is leading an expedition, and the story is to be continued. And if you're expecting a longer synopsis, you don't know anything about decompressed comic books. <laughs> uh, I could have stretched that out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you could have done a con-like review. Well, in panel one of page one. And then Cap looks at him and he smirks knowingly. <laughs> hey, did you run my synopsis for the next book? <laughs> And then you forget the middle of an X-Men story. What? Oh, this point, <laughs> plot point's important. Did I forget something? Oh, it was a... Uh, yeah, it was an issue of X-Men. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I can't remember everything. Where would I put it? <laughs> I can't remember everything, like the synopsis I was about to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... I don't know about this one. I'm I, like... When this first came out, I read it, and I was pretty into it. I, I liked the ultimate storytelling. I liked this story in particular. But the problem with them is I think these books have to be read in the trade. 
they're yeah. so sparse on story mm-hmm. that reading one issue is just not satisfying at all. It, it, you're just not getting enough action or, or things done in it. It's you know this this is something that in 1960s comics would have been done in two pages at most. Yes, and I can actually vouch. You just happened to hit a week when I was reading some Captain America from Tales to uh, Tales of uh, Suspense, not to astonish. And yeah, those were those stories just sprung forward and went without taking a breath. This one is all breath. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> way to describe it. <sighs> and and I do believe that you know some of those early stories could have been more spread out, especially. The Tales to Astonish and Tales to Tales of Suspense and Strange Tales issues that were all split books, so they mm-hmm. only had half of a book to tell their story in, and uh, you know, in order to make it satisfying to actually have some story beats, they would kind of rush it along a little bit. But the decompressed storytelling, they just take it too far, and I think this book is an example of that. And that's that's. Basically, my comment on the story, on the artwork, it all... I can't give you specific names of who's who, but it all looks photo-referenced to me. Yes, yeah. very much. And, and Well, that's this is how we got Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. This yeah. particular comic. I'm not sure, like, there was one point where... Uh, I'm trying to remember now. The, the, the guy, the, the wise-ass... Oh, yeah, the wise-ass Marine looks like Danny Thomas in one shot. That was the only uh, on page five, at the bottom right corner. There's a close. Yeah, I see it. Oh yeah, the guy. Yeah, that says Mr. Morale couldn't be any lower. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of. I was for a minute. I had Danny Kay and Tanny Thomas crossed in my head, and I'm like, what? That was that was (laughs) that was the only one where I had a specific (laughs) photo reference person in mind. And you know, I guess I'd have to have to uh, ask Brian Hitch if that was actually his reference on that one. But because of the photo referencing, to me, it, it takes me out of the story a little bit too. Even though I don't recognize the faces, so I'm not overly enamored with this book. Uh, maybe I would give it a higher rating if I were rating the entire story. If I were doing it in the trade, but based on a single issue, I'm thinking story. C minus and art C and the cover cover isn't bad uh, I'll give that a B minus mm-hmm. overall a C for the book see I remember what? being really excited when this book was coming out despite the price tag which would have been noticeably higher than other books at the time but I jumped right on board, and I remember being very excited to read this issue, thinking it was great. Revisiting it, though, yeah, it's empty. You don't see a whole lot of Captain America. You see more Bucky than you see Captain America. And we, you know, we want to sign up to see our heroes. And it was just, even though I liked this design for the World War II Captain America, it was, yeah, it was lacking. It was, the art was pretty. And detailed, and like you said, it was showing the grisly side of war, but it still it was a harder read and less filling. It's kind of like light beer. <laughs> the can looks great, though. The what looks great? The can. The can looks great. 
light on, beer on a reference. Light beer. Continuing, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, would, that would be the wraparound cover. Yeah. <laughs> so the cover actually stood out more, and I liked this more. I don't know if grizzled would be the word. More gruff Captain America, which would find its way back into mainstream Cap. He'd be a little bit more hard edged. And but if, if I remember right, as the series progressed, as the Ultimate series progressed, they kind of turned him from the more hard edged Captain America to kind of a dick of a Captain America. Yeah. So mm, you know that yeah. that's, they they took what what did work and then they took it too far and made it annoying. What? Because he punches uh, Hank Pym. No, I, I'm talking about later when they got to Ultimate oh, Two okay. and Ultimate oh, okay. Three, and I, I, I'm thinking as the as the character progressed, he kind of became a dick. Yeah, a little bit. Not even sure. Well, I'm trying to think where he's. It's been a while since I've read the Ultimates. I know at one point uh, they had introduced a Red Skull type character that was uh, spoiler was uh, Steve Rogers' son. You guys ever read that? I read the beginning of that one. I read, I think, up until that reveal, and then I think I lost interest in it. Yeah, I read through about half of Ultimates 2 when I, it just petered out for me. I loved this one, the first series, especially the second half when things really get moving. With but after Jatari. that, it just, yeah. After yeah. that, I just, uh, I don't know what it was about the story. It just felt like it was becoming too ridiculous, too uh, satirical. And I guess this is both an homage and a, and a way of kind of laughing at the precepts of the characters, but it was also reverential up to a point. So as yeah. a prologue to that, oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, also, I, I think like by the time they got up to Ultimates 3, that's when Jeff Loeb took over. Mm -hmm. And that's when he did like the whole Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch thing, and he took that too far. And I, I'm thinking that's about the point where he started making Captain America into kind of an asshole. So. It was a book that became a victim of its own excess. At first, it was kind of cool to push the envelope, and then the envelope ripped. So, uh, that's an, an apt <laughs> description of it. I, I, think, yeah. I think Ultimate FF started off with a little promise as well and, and succumbed to that more quickly. And, and Ultimate X-Men as well. The so they never followed through with Ultimate X-Men, so... The, the only one that I thought sustained was Ultimate Spider-Man. And even that, you know, was certainly a victim of, of the decompressed storytelling at times. Yeah. But as a, as a prologue to all of that, I would give the story a C. Because it sets up a, a small portion of it, but it doesn't set up the whole team. We get one little blink at Tony Stark, and none of the other characters appear. Again, decompressed story. The art, I would give... I'm going to give it a B-. There's nothing inherently wrong with it, but it's kind of frustrating at times to try to tell the characters apart. And yeah, the photo reference kicked me out a couple of times. Mainly because Bucky looks like way too much like Jimmy Olsen. That's who it was, yeah. I knew he looked like somebody else. I could put yeah. my finger on it. So... C for the story, B minus for the art. And cover, cover I'll give a solid B. You know what? I, I'm, I'm going back on my cover. I'm taking off a half a point for the fact that it, show, it shows nothing of what the story is. It's showing all those characters, and only two of them actually appear in the book, and one of them 
doesn't even appear as the superhero character that he is. Well, I mean, this is also the beginning of 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 the book at proper. So you want to kind of present them and, and build a little bit of excitement for the characters of what's going to come down the pike. Yes, but shouldn't the story do that as <laughs> <Yeah>. well? <laughs> Touche, sir. But you're setting up well. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's hard to. <laughs> They're telling the origin. It's the origin of, of Captain America. But it's not well, even the origin of Captain America. I know. America. Well, it's it's the origin of him being frozen. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's the freeze-dried cap. Capsicle. At the time this came out, <laughs> I was a fan, but I do not think it's held up. Do you think that's just perspective of age or just the way the industry has changed shh, since then? Shh, shh, Don't say the A word, man. Don't say the A word. Well, I don't know. By logic, since it's been over a decade, I'm sure no, we've aged age, at least a age. little. Don't say that to Paul. <laughs> man, what are you, crazy? Yeah. He didn't say that, Paul. <laughs> what, are you, what are you saying there? <laughs> I'm not sure. You know that that's that's an interesting question. Is is what has what has caused it to age, in my opinion, poorly? Is it the story itself that just hasn't held up, or is it the way the industry has progressed that kind of has soured me on it? And I'm not really sure. I, I can't honestly answer that question. I've been finding things, revisiting things has been a, an interesting experience. I used to love the the, the latter-day X-Force, then Ecstatics. Reread it just about a month ago and realized this is not for me anymore. Mm. Well, so I don't know I, if my perspectives have changed, the stuff I've read has changed me, or if it was really just me buying into hype at that time. I know when this came out that, I, like you, Paul, I liked it. And, you know, because I've wanted it's 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 the Avengers. So for me, it had that tie in going forward as well. And but I know a few years after this stuff that it seemed more and more. And I know we've said this before on the show. You can I mean, you blow through this book. In less than, you know, what, five minutes, you can go through this whole book mm -hmm. and you're done. And you're like, mm -hmm. wow. And then when books are suddenly three ninety nine. And you're blown through that fast. You're like, man, what that? What? What did I? What did I? Why did I buy this? Whereas, you know, you could buy back in the '80s, you could buy a book for seventy-five cents, and it would take you, you know, a half hour to read it. Yeah. Just you know, with the more compressed panels, more dialogue, just more plot. I mean, yeah, there's more visuals here, and they're pretty and everything, but it's like, you know, sure, all pretty. <laughs> you sure got a pretty, pretty face. That river runs right by my house. <laughs> uh, also, you know, just put it in perspective, price-wise, if a book goes for three ninety-nine now, and you feel that way about it, at the time this came out, I'm pretty sure the standard price was one ninety-nine, and this book was two and a quarter. So this book was just. Up, you know, was it was a step up on the price? You were paying a little bit more for this decompressed story. Yeah, but it still didn't hurt as much. It still didn't hit your wallet as much. They go, wow, man. And when you know, in a few years after this, it's double the price, and you're like, whoa. Well, actually, I happen to, as we were talking, just you happen to hit on something. For for an issue of the Avengers, Avengers number fifty came out the same month. You paid three fifty. Oh wow! I guess comics were two twenty-five at that time. 
Oh, really? Okay. I thought they were yeah. 99. Yeah. I, yeah. Wow. Never mind. I take it all back. This is a wonderful issue. <laughs> no, it doesn't make it. I, I just He's across this the board, a, baby. I thought that this one had a sharper price point to other books at the time. Just just a, an interesting thought I'm just noticing as I'm paging through it again. Uh, Cap has got the triangular shield, mm-hmm. which is saying he had that right up until he got frozen in the ice. So he never had the circular shield in World War II. Uh-oh, um, Archie's going to sue. For, uh, what was the character? Was it the shield? The shield, yeah. <laughs> mm. But that's, you know, in... in, in the regular Marvel Universe, he only had the triangle, triangle, triangular. Triangular, yeah. Yes, the triangular shield. The interstate shield. In in the in the very beginning of his career, and then he went to the, the circular shield in World War Two. Yeah, but this is this is the Ultimate Universe. Yes, it is. I'm just pointing out the difference. I'm sorry, Bill. It's okay. All right. Jeez. I understand it's the Ultimate Universe. But but you see, it's the Ultimate Universe. That's why Jimmy it's- Olsen could be there with him. It's what plants crave. Rondo. It's what plants... But it has electrolytes. Actually, Captain America only had the triangular shield for one issue. In the actual Golden Age. Yeah. But then in flashbacks, they have other adventures of him with the triangular shield. I was just trying to throw some factoids in there. No, and I appreciate that. It's what plants crave. I I, I just... I was just—I just didn't want to make it make—I didn't want to let you one up me and make it look like I didn't know that. <laughs> so the no parachute scene in Winter Soldier, I guess, is a homage to this. Of sorts. Yeah, of sorts. I don't think that's the first time Caps jumped out of a perfectly good airplane without a parachute. Hmm. True. I'm not really sure where else he's done it, but. Uh... In the air, Bill. <laughs> He's done it in the air? Whoa. With, oh, Cap's a you, charter yeah. member of the Mile High Club. <laughs> with no parachute. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she had a parachute. <laughs> oh, well, I guess my grade. Um, <laughs> I like the cover. <laughs> I, I like the back cover, too. I don't know if you guys didn't really see. I mean, it's it's kind of a bleed over. It's just a different shot of everybody, except we don't seem to have uh, Thor in that shot on the back. At least I don't see him anywhere in there. I, I don't see him in there. Unless he's behind Giant Man's crotch or something. Maybe. But, um, um, you know, the two covers, I'll give the two covers a B. I'm not sure what the photo, if it's photo referenced or not. Uh, the interior art, uh, photo referencing. I know a lot of people don't like it. It doesn't really bother me that much. Um, I'm going to probably give the art in interior for myself. I'm going to give it a B as well. The story. Yeah. Since it's the opening of a, what did, what did we get? 13 issues out of this or 12? I believe it was 12. You know, this is the first chapter, and I mean, it'll get a little bit more dense as it goes. But there's really not a lot to tell here. It's all visuals with with the you know, with the rating of the base and all the fighting and everything. So yeah, I, I guess I'll go with you guys and say it, it's a C for the storytelling because there's nothing earth shattering here or 
heavily plot developing. Conformist. <laughs> yeah, I gave it. I gave it one of us. Days. One of us. <laughs> Greetings, program. I uh, I I see this as in a decompressed story. This should be the prologue to a real story. Yeah. It's it's not you know, I don't even feel like it's a, the first chapter. It's the prologue, and then that's not good enough to me. Not good enough. All right. Having finished, you've let me down, Mark Millar. Is it I Millar guess. or Miller? Miller. Miller, I guess. I like Millar because it's fun yeah. to say. Millar. Yeah, so, so do I. I'm always tempted to say Millar, but as in the plastic bags. <laughs> pretty, I'm putting you in my Millar. So let, let's move on to our DC now. Ooh. Which Mr. that would be me. Mr. Weida will be bringing to the table. Yes, I brought a book that's more magical than Doug Henning. Chosen from among all others by the immortal elders Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, Mercury, Billy Batson and his mentor travel the highways and byways of the land on a never-ending mission to right wrongs, to develop understanding, and to seek justice for all. In time of dire need, young Billy has been granted the power by the immortals to summon awesome forces at the utterance of a single word. A word which transforms him in a flash into the mightiest of mortal beings, Captain Marvel. I brought brought the the Power power. of Shazam, number seven, from September 1995. It's sporting a really great Jerry Ordway cover, which has, well, Captain Marvel and Mary Marvel standing by the wizard. The actual story title is The Balance of Power, written by Jerry Ordway, penciled by Peter Krause or Krause. You choose. Inked by Mike Manley, lettered by John Costanza and colored by Glenn Whitmore. And this issue opens in the Rock of Eternity, home of the wizard. Shazam, if you want to throw some lightning bolts in there. Help yourself out. Thank you. Shazam! And Shazam is telling the original, original Captain Marvel and his sister, the newly minted Mary Marvel, that he cannot give them the power to help their friend, Freddie Freeman. See, Freddie was recently gravely injured as collateral damage in a fight between Captain Marvel and Captain Nazi. Guess what his gimmick is? He's a Nazi. Yeah, whoa. <laughs> He's a Nazi who's a captain. Yes. But no matter how much the Marvels want Shazam to snap his fingers and make things magically fix themselves, the wizard insists that it's just not in his power. See what he did there? If you don't, you will. So the Marvels <laughs> So the Marvels leave with Mary visiting Freddy in the hospital and cheering him up. I didn't really think about how that sounded. By with her company and charm. And Captain Marvel changing back to Billy Batson and doing his radio show. Meanwhile, Captain Nazi, who is ailing from some mysterious Nazi flu, gets angry at Billy's plea for donations to Freddy's hospital fund and gets his Aryan ass in motion. Uh, Have some chicken soup. It's good for the soul. (laughs) I like that he's sleeping in the bed with the covers on, but his Captain Nazi costume on at the same time. (laughs) 
I'd rather uh, sleep I'm like so a night. <laughs> I can't even take off the costume. <laughs> and Captain Nazi goes to the Look hospital. With the gloves. <laughs> and and the, the epaulets on the shoulders. Yeah. Alright, sorry to keep interrupting. All right. No, quite alright. And Captain Nazi goes to the hospital and attempts to kill Freddy, but Mary is still hanging around, so she calls out that word and becomes Mary Marvel. Excuse me, Captain Marvel. The female version, just not Carol Danvers. She's into the equal rights with the name. It's still in debate. But things get tense as Captain Nazi tries to fly off with Freddy and drops Ooh, that's him. Gotta, the, that's gonna uh, hurt. Well, well the body cast. The dude picked him up. Ooh, <laughs> ooh. ooh. Sorry. Ah, oh. But the original <sighs> kept. <laughs> Sorry. But the original this is where Captain... giant chicken should be coming in and fighting with you. <laughs> <laughs> but the original Captain Marvel arrives to throw down. However, when Captain Nazi is down and kraut, Freddy isn't breathing. <laughs> down and kraut? <laughs> it's a pun. Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> So Billy and Mary use the magic lightning to kickstart Freddy's heart, and Mary takes Freddy to the Rock of Eternity while Captain Marvel takes Captain Nazi to the police. That's going to go over like gangbusters. And with a few very well-placed hints from the wizard, Mary puts together that she and Billy can give Freddy their power. See, not in his power. Mm -hmm. So they do, and when Freddy says Captain Marvel, the magic lightning comes down and changes him into Captain Marvel Jr., so the Marvel family becomes complete, but poor Freddy must live with his broken, crippled body when he's not Captain Marvel Jr. Aww. And so Cap returns Freddy to the hospital, where Captain Nazi is also shackled and suffering still from the Nazi flu. The end. Well, more to be continued, I guess. He's got the rock and roll fever and the Nazi flu. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, and when you said kick, when you said kick, uh, kickstart is hard, I just... Immediately went to uh, the Motley Crew, you know. Never mind. You're the only one that went to Motley Crew. What? Didn't go to Kickstart My Heart? Hope it never stops. Can't say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I do take issue with you saying the Marvel family is complete. I don't see Uncle Marvel there. He's around. I also don't see Tawny. Tawny is mentioned. Yeah, it's been mentioned okay, early by the wizard about a talking tiger. Yeah, I oh, don't yeah, know a talking the tiger. Thing. The thing about this series was it took everything great about the old Fawcett Shazam, or sorry, Captain Marvel, since we can legally say it with the Fawcett stuff. It took everything great about that and then built on that your your standard 90s superhero mentality and the way that the format changed, where you could do decompressed stories. However... Jerry Ordway never left an issue where you didn't feel somewhat satisfied. Yeah, this is decompressed storytelling that's enjoyable. Yes. It's building towards something. Yeah, and and something occurs. <laughs> yes. There's a fight. <laughs> there's and, and I chose this issue because it completed the three marvels, which is relevant because this is the first post-crisis moment when they're all in existence. Because it was relaunched as Shazam! The New Beginning in the right around Legends. And it was just Captain Marvel. And that was Roy Thomas and Tom Mandrake. And Ordway said, okay, this is great, but I'm actually going to pull from the original material. And he, you know, you, you hit on Takitani's not there yet, but he's mentioned. He's made some appearances, but it allows it to snowball naturally. 
Mm-hmm. Even though the Mary Marvel story is actually kind of creepy. See, they were split up as twins. And Mary was sent to live with a rich couple. And the reason she went there is because the rich couple had a nursemaid. And under that nursemaid's watch, that baby died. So she slid Mary in, pretending it was their infant. Ooh. That's more in the golden age. It does play out a little bit like that in this series, but yeah, that's so. That's, that's pretty wild. dark. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. But the, yeah, she's uh, Nurse Prim reached out to Billy to let him know she, you know, he has this sister out there. Yeah, I, I didn't like when they went to uh, when they tried to make you know Mary Marvel dark in what was that in. Uh, Countdown, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that she, she's another one of those characters that's supposed to be very, very pure, and for them to try and you know turn that bothered me some. Well, since that soapbox has been addressed, just want to point out that she is portrayed and has always been portrayed as somewhere between twelve to fifteen, sixteen at, at the tops. And yet, if you do a Google search for Mary Marvel you find this slash fiction imagery that is disturbing. That's an underage girl, dude. Mm. Yes. Mary. (laughs) What are you guys talking about? Oh, sorry. (laughs) I'll be back in a little while. (laughs) Just give me 30 seconds. What are you doing? Nothing. Nothing at all. Wah, wah. Yeah, the, but I was the whole Captain Marvel thing in in from the Silver Age on up. It it's always felt like they couldn't find exactly the right way to portray the character to make it a critical and commercial success. Mm-hmm. I I thought the best stuff that I've read of Captain Marvel uh, was probably in Justice Society issues. The Justice Society or the, the like the All Star? Well, yeah. Oh, JSA, like the Jeff Johns. Yeah, when, like when when they would do stuff with Black Adam and yeah, you know it. it, it I, I the character seemed true to itself, but it wasn't you know too too jokey. Like when they first brought it back in the seventies with CC Beck and everything, it was they were trying to to basically present a Golden Age comic in the Silver mm-hmm. Age. Or in the yeah. bronze age. Oh, that's exactly that. what they were doing, and and it w- it wasn't successful. So no, because yeah. you know that comes from a time when the 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 subject matter was like Archie level. It was yeah. fun, but you didn't put too much into it, and they did, and the and the audience had grown up. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean. Or, or, or even if the audience hadn't grown up, because I mean I was still pretty young at the time, but you were expecting a more sophisticated level from your comics, even if you hadn't grown up yet. Mm-hmm. Just because you had been exposed to more sophisticated books at that point, um, I think my favorite portrayal of the character was probably in Justice League Unlimited. Yes, when I, he uh, basically told the whole Justice League how they were a bunch of d bags. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he was pre- he was presented as a very innocent kid in you know the Captain Marvel body, fought Superman to a standstill. Uh, I mean, I just thought it was an awesome episode. And, and I thought yeah. he was portrayed really well in it. Well, did you ever watch Young Justice? I watched some of it. I didn't get to see a whole lot of him in it, though. Uh, he was he was definitely a side character, but they did 
they had they did play up the the sort of childlike mentality because it's he shows up for Halloween in costume and they don't realize that he's a kid. So, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> yeah, he's but not... I always thought that the idea was such a potent one. I mean, it's it's a kid that becomes the superhero, and yeah, Spider Man is someone similar to that, but. This was, you know, a complete transformation. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, uh, I thought a closer uh, take on the whole kid as superhero thing was on Prime, where oh, yeah. where he mm-hmm. was literally a kid, but then he would have the ability to manipulate his body and create basically whatever he wanted out of it, and he would become this giant, overly muscle bound. Yeah, he man. was actually like inside it, right? He, yeah, it, it was yeah, like a was... cocoon. That was Malibu, right? Uh, was, no. Yes. Uh, Ultraverse. Yeah. Oh, Ultraverse. Yeah. Which, I, yeah. It was Malibu. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, had you guys read this series before? No, I've um, Captain Marvel. Is something that the, the most exposure I've had to Captain Marvel was actually when I read Fifty Two. I mean, I've mainly been a lot of the stuff I've read has been uh, has been Marvel. The the only thing that I really ever delved into DC wise when I was a kid was uh, Teen Titans, uh, mm. and it was and it, it it was the Perez New Teen Titans. Uh, that was really my DC books that I read, and some Batman and Batman and the Outsiders. Those were my two DC books that I read. And the only reason I got involved with Batman and the Outsiders was because they did the crossover with New Teen Titans. So and that's how I started to collect those. And then about that, and then there was uh, uh, I had read a lot of Crisis, and I had read Infinity Inc. and the Omega Men was pretty much what I had read in DC. Bill, oh good, the Omega yeah. Men. He asked if he read this. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was just giving you an opening, Paul, and I just walked right through it. No, I was just explaining why I this this is like a and then another in gap. the nineties. Here's a list of <laughs> books I read. <laughs> then it was the year two thousand. And do you have a list of the books? I'll t- I'll tell you which ones I did and which ones I didn't read. <sighs> Paul, had you, had you read this before? <laughs> well, no, no, he didn't. <laughs> No, I had not read this issue. I, I My Captain Marvel exposure was sporadic. I read an occasional issue here and there, but never a sustained run. And this okay. was an issue I hadn't read, but I enjoyed reading it now. Yeah, I mean, the book remained fun. And, I mean, you have that great Jerry Ordway cover, which was the hallmark of this series, that they were all painted by Jerry Ordway, who is the extraordinary. You know, they, they look like they're trying to hold that pose a little too long. But I think that's part of the joke. That Billy's got this big smile. He's trying to look heroic with the. So he's like, I can't hold this pose much longer. Can we stop smiling now? You you see, kids, when they pose for like school pictures and stuff, yeah, Mm -hmm. and they really don't know how to smile in a natural way, so they all look like they have this forced smile in the pictures, and that's what this reminds me of. Yes. And, and since he's supposed to be a kid, that goes well. well. I'm pretty unabashed in my love for Jerry Ordway in this series and Captain Marvel and the Marvel family. Right now, 
on my wall is the promo poster that they put out for it, which is Captain Marvel flying over the, the sky, lightning in the background by the Wiz radio. And I just love this poster so much. But one of my prized possessions is a piece of Jerry Ordway artwork. They released another poster, but closer to the time the graphic novel was coming out of, you know, Captain Marvel punching Black Adam into electrical, uh, I don't know if it's Tesla coil. But I actually won on eBay the preliminary drawing that Jerry Ordway did of that. Oh. So it hangs above the poster. As a kicker, Ordway draws a Captain Marvel uh, bust of him saying Shazam and signs that too. Cool. So Ordway is is above reproach in my my eyes. And I actually have the statue that he designed of Billy and Captain Marvel. So all I'm saying is uh, this, so this was sure to please me. So you're telling me, stuff it. We come from we come from different areas. I grew up loving Captain Marvel. I still love it because the simplicity of the idea is basically something that allows a comic to write itself if you just give in to it. And Ordway totally did what was essentially impossible from the 1950s, which is relaunch a relaunch. Because they tried to bring him into the hmm? as a a Captain Marvel lover. Mm hmm. What did what do you think of the Marvel series Captain Marvel when they tried to recreate a little of that feeling by having Rick Jones with the Nega bands and and switching places with Captain Marvel and basically you know basically trying to create the same kind of feeling a young guy who becomes a grown man by you know and, and turns is, uh... to a hero and I mean, clearly they were trying to create the same oh, feeling with it blatantly yeah. It never caught on the same way. I, it was the reason I read it because of the similarity, but it never caught me the same way. If that makes sense. Because to read the old Captain Marvel, to watch the cartoon, it was just goofy fun. And yeah, there was a lot of potential in the idea to do something like this where it is a more sweeping superhero story as well. But with Rick Jones and with Marvel, it was too cosmic and not magical. Mm-hmm. Because that was what C.C. Beck and, and Bill Parker, who created Captain Marvel, were going for. That's why you see him wearing a military, a Prussian military uniform is what that's designed off of. So it has this sort of antiquity feeling. That's why you have a wizard. They're all, they're all ideas that we've seen before. So a kid can just latch onto it. First time you see Billy Bats and he's selling newspapers, he's an orphan. Well, there's Tiny Tim. And Marvel, that whole concept, didn't draw on those parallels. It was great sci-fi, but it never drew on the same pieces of of this that drew me to it and still draw me to it. Yeah, fair enough. So how do you how do you rate this one? I'm gonna go with a B plus. Um, it has a lot of excitement. It's still part of a greater story, but Krauss's art looks great. The cover is glorious, and for the first time, you have all three core members of the Marvel family assembled for the first time since. The, since the crisis. Um, so art, I'm going to give a B is a solid B plus as well. Kraus never quite hits the same tone as Ordway, but I, I've likened it to the series so much that I'm completely familiar with these characters in his pencil. So it ends up creating an, an unfortunate bias. Like I can never unsee it the way he draws it, but his style is not necessarily to my taste. Completely. There's a lot of frumpiness to some of the characters. Hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. I can see that now that you mentioned. I think that's one thing I was trying to put my finger on. Yeah. They do like look Billy. Good. Yeah, a little doughy. I uh, I would give the cover an A. I really like the cover. I would yeah. I I, I would love to own a piece of artwork like this uh, in a, in a heartbeat. The interior art I'm not quite as enamored with as you are. Uh, I think your 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 description of frumpiness is is what bothers me about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And there's points where it just seems bland. And I think that might be intentional. I think he might be trying to marry the modern storytelling to the older storytelling to create that feeling. Uh, but it just leaves me a little flat. So artwork, interior artwork, I would just give a C. Mm. Uh, story-wise, I, I really like the whole creation of Captain Marvel Jr. aspect of it. Uh, I like the dynamic between the characters. Uh, I even like the way the wizard is portrayed in there. So I would give that a B for an overall B minus for the book. Why is his costume blue? Why not? It was just distinguish him from Captain Marvel. Actually, the funny thing about Captain Marvel Jr. is his stories were more serious in tone and darker. Hmm. So the blue would cast against darker backgrounds. Oh, okay. Where Captain Marvel would stand out with that bright red, Junior would actually blend in a little bit with, you know, Nazi-occupied England. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm going to go, even though I had a little criticism of the the smiling on on the cover, it is a beautiful cover. So I am going to give this an A for the cover as well, because I'm a conformist. (laughs) But, (laughs) But the interior art also for me is just it's just off a, a little bit off-putting in some spots um i mean like in some sh- spots shazam looks really good but like you said there's other times that billy looks kind of frumpy um mary looks kind of frumpy but then you know man but that's when when they're in their in their non-superhero guises so maybe it's supposed to they're supposed to look a little bit more frumpy then yeah. Then, so uh, but I do like uh, Beautia Savannah. Yeah, I mean, yes. And apparently, so so does Billy. Whoa. Beautia is always hitting on Captain Marvel, which is really Billy. So uh, mm-hmm. it's more of an awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but then, uh, like that one uh, page ten. When he see where well, they've got the full shot, the guy that's behind him, who is that guy again? That's the Stir- that's his boss, Sterling Morris. Oh man, he he's looking creepy, like he's shoving him him towards her. Hey, all right, there you go, son. Oh, he yeah, looks like he to grab a hold of him. <laughs> he's like, yeah, let me let me hold you down here. Ah. And I guess there's a subplot here with the stuff going on in the penitentiary. Yes, that's hum- ultra humanite. That'll play out down the road, and that's also uh, sorry. That's the I o- thought that was Black Adam. It's Theo Adam. You're right. Oh, okay. There's a different right. page where there's an ultra-humanite story occurring. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Then I'll quit quit jumping on that. Yeah, he uh, just shipped a dude. I know. He's like, <laughs> sliced him. He is. Uh, he's the reincarnation of Black Adam. All of his powers drain into a scarab. So, yeah, he's stuck. The wizard took away his voice, so he can't call down the lightning. Oh, and he can't say, what, what was it that they did in, in uh, 
in New 52 or in 52. Chocolate egg cream. Chocolate egg cream. Yep. That, 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 he broke that in his miniseries, didn't he? Yeah, by accident. Yeah. I'll take a chocolate egg cream. Whoa! <laughs> but anyway, again, I go off topic. Um, yeah, so the interior art, uh, I'm going to go with a B. But I like the story. I like the um, the origin of Captain Marvel Jr. So I'm going to give the story a B plus. And that's that. That, as they say, is that. And so on to our next book. <laughs> what? You there? What? Yes. Oh, well, because you were breaking up. You were... Every time I would start to talk, we would talk over each other. So. Oh. Well, hopefully I don't have a totally effed up recording here. But if we do, we'll just do this thing. again, because it's so much, so much fun. <laughs> It's not like we haven't done shows twice. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, see, now I don't hear anything. Yeah, me either. I'm deaf! (laughs) (laughs) I'm dying! (laughs) So, what crappy book did you bring to the table, Bill? What crappy book? I'll tell you what crappy book I brought. I brought Brit. And Brit is for kids. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not at all. Silly rabbit! Kids. <laughs> Which I'm By just going to read. Your kids now, Bill. <sighs> he tasks uh, that's me. All need, that's all you need to say. <laughs> that's like locking up. That's like that's like a Kirk. That's like a Kirk uh, locking up a computer. <laughs> uh, uh, error, error. Uh, Seventeen. Uh, Seventeen. Uh, Fifteen and twelve. That's right. They haven't had their birthdays yet. So 17, 15, and 12. That's okay. it. <laughs> I feel yeah. like I should give you a biscuit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, Good no. Job, Bill. Good job. My stomach's upset. No biscuits. No moss. Anyway. A, a Scooby snack. A Scooby snack. A Dr. Bill snack. Do you remember uh, in uh, Quick Draw McGraw? The dog mm-hmm. snuffles. They, they'd call him to try and help them. Uh-huh. And, and, and he, he, would, he would want the snack in, in order to do it, so he'd go, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> and they'd give it to him, and he'd float down to the ground. Yeah, he would, like, hug himself, and he would float into the air, and then gently float to the ground. Yep. All right, boy, now go get him. Oh, kaboom. Snuffles will do anything for a dog biscuit. Anything? Anything. Will he jump through that window? Why, sure. Watch. Here's a dog biscuit, Snuffles. Then jump through a window. Ah, 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 ah. Catch. All right, so what book did you pick? <laughs> I picked an, an image book. I was I, I had the indie, and I wanted to find something I hadn't read before. And it was still under our 10-year limit. And uh, I got a book from July of 2003, and its title is Brit. And it was put out by um, – pull up my synopsis because I have wow. notes. <laughs> it is put out by um, – my God, you idiot. There it is. <laughs> by Robert Kirkman. 
by Robert Kirkman and Tony Moore, who, as we all know, did The Walking uh, Dead. Uh, oh. uh, Invincible. Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, half of them. But um, Marvel Zombies. Yeah. Anyway, the cover, on our cover of this magnificent book that everybody's going to love, maybe, maybe not, we'll see, uh, is by Tony Moore and Ron Riley, and we have Brit in large greenish somewhat camel letters are blazed across a black cover with a rather tough-looking older man with gray hair and a utilitarian green outfit, and he's got blood all over his hands and... I think it's a kick-ass cover myself, but that's just me. Anyway, inside we have uh, uh, creator, writer, letterer is Robert Kirkman. And penciler, inker, and gray tones is Tony Moore. Like I said, he did the art on 1 through 6 of Walking Dead. Special thanks to Mark Englert, Englert and Jacob Bucky. And we have a cover price of four ninety-five. This may be one of the most expensive books we've done on Back to the Bins. What do you think? I would say it's got a good chance that it is the most expensive book, mm. cover price-wise. Cover price, yeah. Because otherwise you might find this in a quarter bin. <laughs> <laughs> right next to the issue of Apollo Smile. <laughs> Volume 1, number 1. Inside, we see the same man from the cover looking down from a helicopter on a mob of people apparently dancing on the interstate. He seems to be an agent of the government and is being briefed by his handler. His mission is to apprehend the man responsible for the mess below. He is equipped with a device that will block his target's powers. His target's name? Mastermind. No, not, not that Mastermind, and no, not Megamind either. Anyway, he leaps from the chopper. Chopper! Get to the to chopper! The, to the ground. Oh, about a couple hundred feet and walks past all the frightened and dancing people who can't help themselves. Mastermind, casually sitting in a car listening to some tunes, is puzzled as to why this one guy isn't getting his groove on. The old man tells him he isn't allowed to kill him, but he does plan on hurting him real bad. Mastermind smirks and with a, is that so, pulls all of the surrounding humans into him into some kind of giant human being exoskeleton and says, bring it on, little man. What follows isn't pretty as the two play cat and mouse until the old man is finally able to physically grab Mastermind and begins to beat him into submission. He won't go down easily and throws wave after wave of human bodies at the old man, killing them in the scores. Peace is flying off and blood is everywhere. The man tells Mastermind he can't be hurt and to stop. He is killing everyone. Finally, after enough blows to the head, Mastermind goes down and with him the bodies fall to the ground. The old man climbs from the pile and exclaims, shit. Next, we cut to a little while later where we're in an underground government facility that we will find out later is actually the Pentagon. And we get caught up on the who and the what's of the story. The old man is called Britt. His handler is Donald Ferguson, and they both appear to work for a man named Erickson, who isn't very happy about having to cover up all the deaths from the Mastermind debacle. They approach a Dr. Rogers who is experimenting on Mastermind to reproduce his powers, which is pointless, though, as they already have a, have a means to counteract his powers. So what's the point? Anyone else could do the same. What he really wants to do is get his hands on Brit to reproduce the serum that his father gave him that slowed his aging and made him invulnerable to harm. Erickson is dead set against this as Brit has been serving the country for longer than Rogers has been alive. And, and if he asks, asks again, he will have his job. 
Next, we see Britt entering a strip club called The Ladies' Room. He is greeted by a man inside that calls in the boss, but he ignores him and heads straight upstairs where he is met by an underwear-clad woman that says, I see you got my message, which was to get it up there in 60 seconds from when the cab from the cab to the door, or he wouldn't get any little something-something. Uh, so uh, as they're getting ready to do a little something-something, it's relationship talk time. Wah, wah, wah. She wants a long-term thing, not the house and dog picket fence, just someone to be with her in the later years. Finally, they get done yakking, and it's down to business. Yeah, I think they're testing some slinkies out or something. Because we got a page of a lot of Springer sound effects. Springer, 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 Springer. Oh, yeah, and Jessica's parents want to uh, to meet Britt. Cue record scratch. Later on, the next day, not sure which, Britt is on hand as a bunch of eggheads decide to open a dimensional door they created. He is there just in case a non-friendly comes through, which of course does in each one of the scientists. Britt grabs one of uh, Cthulhu Jr.'s spines that broke off and jumps down its throat and crushes squishy things until it's dead. He cleans himself off and when he is done, when, it, when he appears to be done, there is a drop of blood coming out of his nose. He quickly hides this and tells Donald, his handler, to get him out of there. Next, we have three quick scenes. One with Donald waiting in a high school hallway. Uh, I don't know if he's got some uh, waiting to see the, the principal. I don't know if he has some domestic problems. And he's on the phone telling someone about Britt possibly bleeding. The next has Britt watching Jessica dance at the club, saying to the manager that he's going to marry her. And finally, we cut back to Donald at the Pentagon with Erickson and Rogers. And it is decided that Britt may be deteriorating and his time uh, has come to experiment on him. But first, they need to... Sp- to send him on one more mission in Indonesia. As the other two leave, Donald looks forlorn and asks, what have we done? First, though, we catch up with Britt and Jess as they are visiting her parents. Her father asks Britt about the firm. No, not that the firm or the Tom Cruise movie either. Britt laughs and says, what, the government? No, 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 the law firm you own and employ my daughter at. Laughing again, Britt tells him, I own a strip club and that's where Jessica works. The dad is stunned by this since he had no idea she had dropped out of law school and was a stripper. He storms out and Britt goes to tell him that he is acting like a child and the way he is acting is the reason that no one told him what was going on. Jessica is level-headed and intelligent, but before he can continue, a chopper Chopper. drops in and whisks him off on a mission. Daddy is still clueless. On board a B-52 bomber, Britt and Donald are going over the plan. Britt will drop in with a nuke strapped to his chest and take out all the lower-level bad guys with superpowers. So all he has to worry about is the Big Bad. Unfortunately, Mr. Big Bad can absorb all kinds of energy to gain strength like Sebastian Shaw. Britt jumps out and boom! After the smoke clears, we see him sitting naked in the wreckage of the city. The next five pages pretty much is the Mr. Big Bad beating the living shit out of Britt. Or is he? Mr. B- Mr. Bad has broken his hands and has pretty much exhausted all of his energy. Britt walks up and snacks his, snaps his neck before a few kind words. Erickson and Rogers arrive with a strike team and congratulate him. He can tell something is up, though, by the grin on Rogers' face. He punches out Erickson and escapes into the wrecked, into the wrecked city. Two weeks later, at the ladies' room club, Britt barges in and grabs Jessica, who has been worried sick since he disappeared from her parents' house. He tells her to only pack things she that she can't buy because they aren't coming back. She's worried about how they're going to make it with no money. Britt laughs and says, I've been working for the government for 50 years. We're millionaires. 
On the way out, the manager tries to ask Bert a question. He tosses the keys to him and says, ask yourself. The club is yours free and clear and enjoy. And last, we see Donald Ferguson enters his apartment or an apartment with some groceries. He is greeted in the darkness by his old buddy, Britt. Donald and uh, uh, Donald had let Britt in on the plans of the government to try and take him in. Oh, and that was alien blood that was up his nose, not his own. He gives Donald a number to contact him, memorize it, and destroy it. He's off to marry Jessica, and if anything big comes up, give him a call. And that's my synopsis for that. That was 52 pages, and that wasn't too bad. That was a lot quicker well, than well the cons. Done, that was, that was, you made sense of this thing. Better, certainly better than I could have done, I guarantee yeah. you. <laughs> I, I, I like this when I read it. I... I and I actually went on and read a couple of the other ones. There's uh, some other plots that, that, that come up with his ex-wife, who she also has powers, and they have a son. And the son has to be shot into the son to control those powers. And then he gets he meets up, I guess, in the Invincible universe later as well. And then there's another miniseries that uh, – there was like three one-shots that came out for this. And then there was a series, I think, that had about 10 or 12 issues. I've only got, I think, about nine of them, though. So, um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, you don't really get the full back history on him as to like how uh, apparently his father experimented on him and shot him with a serum that made him basically indestructible and it slowed his aging. So, I mean, that's pretty much his superpower. He's not super strong, uh, but he does seem to have, you know, in, he's in good physical shape and he has good fighting skills. Yeah, he fights then, the Dark Overlord from Howard the Duck real good. <laughs> yeah. Breaks off one of his spines, jump down his throat. Rah, dead. They came through the Stargate. Exactly. I saw that and went, what? What do they got? The Stargate there? Jack O'Neill got taken out. Oh, no. <laughs> they killed MacGyver. And uh, we have uh, the head boss guy. You could just put an eye patch on him and he'd be Nick Fury. But I guess that's, you know... Maybe, maybe not. I like the whole ju he jumps in with a nuke strapped to his chest to take out all the lower level guys so he doesn't have to bother with them. <laughs> of course, he levels the city. But apparently most of the people were dead in the city already when he dove in. And then he just lets the guy beat up on him for five pages. And then uh, casually snaps his neck. I mean, there's not a lot of uh, deep plot here. It's just, I, 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 it, was, it was a fun read. It killed some time. Killed some trees. <laughs> that's you know that's that's certainly uh, faint praise. Well, I killed some time. Well, I I, I didn't go into it expecting much because I hadn't you know. I mean, yeah. Well, I was gonna say I don't know if I would give this to my son just yet. <laughs> I There's never no... realized quite how attractive Leah Thompson is. I'm sorry. Are we back Google to Howard the Duck. Yes, I never left Howard the Duck. Oh, yeah, she was hot. I yeah. always thought she was hot. I always thought she was kind of hot, but kind of creepy in uh, Back to the Future. Oh, she was very creepy in Back to the Future. <laughs> but that's kind of part of the hotness because, you know, it's low-hanging fruit. La, 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 I'm not listening. <laughs> so, what anyway. do you guys think? <laughs> well... I can root for an anti-hero. I can root for a hero with faults. 
<laughs> I don't like rooting for a hero who's kind of an asshole. And I, that's the that's the feeling I had about Brit. It just seems like kind of a dick. Yeah, but well, he's 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 a somewhat honorable dick. He does marry Jessica and take care of her. Yeah. I mean, I he's just he's a government agent. He yeah. gets the job done. He was trying to stop Mastermind to keep him from killing people. He was telling him stop. It's not like he didn't care about the people, you know. He, I mean that was that whole body that was that was just really weird like a giant transformer made out of human beings was oh, just it, oof You mean like in Justice League uh, uh, annual number 1 from 1987 mm. <laughs> I don't know it I had it happened I mean I mean it looks like something out, out of World War Z where all the you know the zombies were <laughs> climbing up the wall on top of each other. Well, I don't know if those were zombies or not. I I, I just didn't find him to be a charismatic or you weren't rooting for him, is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, he didn't he didn't he didn't strike me as somebody I want to root for. He seemed empty. Well, I mean, there's no real about the only person you think might have any scruples in here is his handler. Donald, which uh, you find out something about him later in an, another book. I don't know if I should. Well, I should probably tell you because you're probably not going to read it. We're not going to read it. I can. <laughs> uh, the only thing left of him, he's actually a robot. The only thing left is his head. He doesn't even realize it. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> it awkward. Like, yeah, because he gets destroyed in like one of the next books, and he's like, "I'm a robot." And uh, what, what was going on with the subplot? He was having problems with his marriage and his uh, son. And then when his wife finds out he's a robot, then she uh, they seem to have better sex. <laughs> That's just a little weird. Well, one of the lines was like, wow, wow you're a machine. <laughs> like, now, yeah, okay. Now, I, I think Walking Dead is enhanced by the black and white artwork. And I think they're trying to capture that same feeling here, but I don't think they're successful at it. I don't really see the point in black and white in this. I don't see where, where it makes the story more effective. Now, I'm not saying you could just take this and color it, because obviously they worked on the gray tones in a way where you wouldn't color this. But maybe had they worked on it a little differently, I think it might have been a more compelling story in color. Uh, I don't know. I don't think um, I don't really know if this in color would make any difference for me. It might not I mean, improve it, but I don't think it would hurt it. I don't think the black and white adds anything to it. I, I don't really feel like I'm getting anything more in the way of moodiness or, or atmosphere based on the black and white. I mean, because if you look at the cover, which is in color... <laughs> of course thank you covered in blood <laughs> well, the cover is, it, is a, it, a little it, too uh, Spartan for my tastes too John Spartan uh, no Sid Spartan no I, demolition I'm, I'm not, man jokes what no, de no demolition man joke from that no not from me I mean overall I was it's not that it's bad 
It's very derivative, though. It, it's it, yeah, it, it it is, and it's just I don't know. It's it's kind of like like you said when I think the the most apt description was like yeah, it killed some time. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I just wanted to try something different. I mean, I'm you know, I wasn't. It's not lighting the world on fire. No, it's not terrible. It's just there. It's it's. I'm just not. It's it's not for me. I guess. That happened is how I would describe it. <laughs> I, I don't read this and feel like, oh, I, you know, I, I would like to see the next issue to see what happens. I'm quite content to never visit with Brit again. <laughs> but I don't regret doing it. No, it was all right. I'm... Uh, so- I, I don't. I don't want to step on you, Bill. Why don't you give your no, no, no. ratings oh, no. first? Well, all right. Cover wise, since it's the only thing that's in color, have I pointed that out yet? You did mention. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give the cover. I think I'll give the cover a B. Now I kind of like the Walking Dead feel with the black and white a little bit. So, I mean, I, I think I'm going to actually, I'm going to probably give the interior art. And I got to point out that Kirkman is doing the lettering. And a lot of his sound, effect, or his sound effects look like some of the old Thor sound effects from when Simonson. Like, like the big boom on um, like page 38. And the springa, 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 springa. How many? Uh, the the two page sex scene. Yeah, the two page sex scene. Well, m- maybe not. Yeah, well, well, maybe not those. But, uh, but like the big fight with the you know like the five pages of the fight. Those all look kind of drawn in that style. I, I at least that kind of stood out to me. I don't know why Kirkman did that, or if it's just you know. Yeah, I, he, I thought he overdid the sound effects. <laughs> um. Interior-wise, I'm going to give it... Ah, hell, screw it. I'm going to give it a B. And it's, I'm just going to give this an overall B. I mean, I, I I guess I enjoyed it a little bit more than you guys. I expect you guys to be a little bit more harsher than than me. What gives you that impression? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, considering I went on and read more of the other stuff after the first one. So, all right, let's have it. You want to go, Dave, or you want me to go? Yeah, I'm going to give it a C across the board. Because there's nothing inherently wrong with it. It's it's not terrible. It's not bad. There's no negative. There's just no real positives to balance it out. So, that's C it? on art. Yeah, that's it. I'm, it's pretty simple and straightforward. It's That happened. Yeah, I, I'm... Probably not differing much on your grades, but I'll go into a little bit of it. Uh, the cover, uh, honestly, I'm thinking C minus because I, I'm thinking there's nothing about this cover. If I'm in a comic store, there's nothing about it that makes me say, "Hey, let me pick up this one and check it out." So to me, C is average. I'm thinking if if I have no desire to read it based on the cover, I'm thinking slightly below average. So I'm going to go C minus on it. Uh, it, it's not bad as far as what it is. Well, wouldn't you, well, well, you wonder if he was British? <laughs> I would wonder, but not enough to actually care. 
Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm telling you, I would just pass it right up on on the news on the uh, the rack in a comic store. I yeah. wouldn't even. I probably wouldn't look twice at it. So that that's what makes me think uh, I'm C minus. And it's, again, it's not because there's anything particularly wrong with how it's rendered, other than the fact that I don't find it compelling at all. Um, story wise. I don't know. It just felt uninspired. Uh, a little bit just kind of wrote by the numbers and a little bit of, hey, look at how clever I am with things like him, you know, talking to his girlfriend's father and the the sound effects and everything. So I'm, I'm, I'm along the same lines, C, C to a C minus on the story. And the art is okay, but it's not. It, it doesn't grab me at all, particularly. Again, I, I, I don't really feel that black and white did it any favors necessarily. So I'm going to go see on the artwork. And, well, one thing it's kind. Of, well, one thing is kind of funny that that you mentioned because I actually pulled up, I wikied this just to get some more in, info on it, and Kirkman is actually stated as saying that one of the things that happened with this story was that he just got it, it seems like he almost got kind of tired of it because he couldn't keep up the regular schedule with it and it just kind of dropped by the wayside i'm so wondering it, if that's a kind way of saying that the sales weren't that great yeah. could be <laughs> yeah, save face on it yeah I, I just got tired of writing it i was busy with the walking dead sorry so shoot me But yeah, I mean, it was so. It, it's okay. I mean, I don't. I, I feel like I'm being overly harsh with you on it. You know, comparing oh, no. it to Apollo don't, Smile. I'm not going to take this personally. No, but I feel like comparing it to over, Apollo Smile is overdoing it. Apollo Smile was was openly bad. <laughs> I don't think this this reaches that level. <laughs> the one of the lines on the back of the book. Wait, did I talk about the back of the cover? See, see, now you're supposed oh, to say, no. oh, "Okay, we got to go." <laughs> No, I'm not going to read that whole thing, but the last line says, Brit is a one-man killing machine, indestructible, unstoppable, and eligible for a senior citizen discount. Wouldn't that best describe you, Paul? Uh, except I'm destructible and stoppable. <laughs> and almost eligible for a senior citizen discount. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com and is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcasts.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.